Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Hope you're getting through the week, taking care of yourselves, taking care of those around you, because yes, we are responsible for those around us. It's called compassion. It's called humanity, collective care. We need more of that, right? We're, we're moving away from just worrying about ourselves. Also, how is your mental health doing? Take a moment and just check in with yourself. Is there anything you need? Maybe you need to just make room and allow whatever emotions you are feeling and uh, always reminding yourself that just because you're thinking something or feeling something, we don't have to have behavior dependent uh, I'm sorry, we don't have to have mood dependent behavior, which means it's okay to feel bad or sad or whatever it is and still go through the day in the ways that you need to. In fact, mental health is making room for all of our different emotions, but instead of being guided by them, because they'll often lead us astray and often our emotions might be a little amplified or negatively skewed, our thinking often not rooted in reality, we want to live and be guided by our values and our ethics. So again, might be feeling one way or thinking one thing, but guided by our values and ethics. And that's always going to be more effective action where when we're just guided by our mood, we're going to say things we don't mean. We're going to take some actions that we can't take back and we're going to feel bad about later. And uh, it's often going to keep us very stuck. And as always, reminding you to focus today at some point on self-care, which means building out, carving some space for joy and pleasure, doing something that's rooted in leisure has nothing more, you know, nothing productive about it, just something that you enjoy. And then also some form of rest. We're doing 70% max. Um, <clears throat> DMs always open. So if you got a DM for us, that's a question or a topic, put them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, which is where our next quick and dirty topic came from. Someone said, yo, talk again about fair fighting. And that came up in my clinical practice a few times this week as it tends to. So I said, all right, we'll spend a few minutes. And it's basically uh, Dr. D's five point system. And this is maturity at its finest. So when we uh, are talking about conflict, which is healthy. Conflict is okay. It's not the presence of conflict that's ever a problem. It's how we go about managing it that is the problem. Its presence is important. It tells me that two or more real actual human beings have finally showed up to the party because before we have any conflict, we can't really assess the trust or safety or sustainability of a relationship because in the beginning we are romanticizing, we are fantasizing. And so when conflict really arises is when we can really be like, wow, we're in a true relationship and we're going to really understand how sustainable this might be, which is why I say until you have some conflict, don't make any commitments to someone because you don't have a sense of how healthy the two of you are going to be or, or more of you when you come together. So the first point is we come in at zero. Yeah, that's right. If you're feeling activated, overwhelmed, really upset, it is not time to have that conversation. 
And that's hard for some people because they're like, I want to get it off my chest. I want to deal with it now. I don't want to go to bed angry. doesn't matter. Adults prioritize the relationship and the health of the relationship and all parties involved. And that means more than just anxiously, impulsively, or whatever it is, getting it dealt with now. So if you are not at a zero or a one or a two, you are not ready to talk about it because you're in a more destructive mindset. You're dysregulated. We don't do things from dysregulation. So that's point number one. And also, I want to just round it out. We never do these things via phone or text. We wait until we can be face-to-face. Of course, there are exceptions to that. I can't accommodate every possible exception. Yes, if you're a long distance, you're going to have to do it on the phone, et cetera, et cetera. But in general, if you can do it face-to-face, that is always the way we do it. And that's part of helping us also calm down. Not doing face-to-face allows us to be impulsive. So again, first point is you come in at a zero. And if you're not, you do whatever you need to do to calm down and you take whatever time you need to take. It might mean we'll talk about it tonight. It might mean we'll talk about it tomorrow. It might mean we'll talk about it next weekend. Also, as we're having this difficult conversation or conflict, we're paying attention and looking at our partner, which is why we have to be face-to-face to see how well it's going. If they're showing signs of disconnection, feeling threatened, feeling scared, feeling sad, we adjust. Because again, the goal is connection, which is why I said we have to do it face-to-face, which is why we come at a zero, which is why we track out lands on our partner, because it's all about staying connected. Because we're on the same team. We remind ourselves we're on the same team. This is not my enemy I'm talking to. So we come in at a zero. We do it face-to-face so we can track our partner to see how well it's going. We also remind ourselves that we are on the same team. We're not trying to harm anyone or make anyone feel bad as a result. Then we make sure to make requests, not criticisms. We don't name call. We don't attack. We say, hey, it would mean a lot to me if you did. Could you please moving forward? And we talk about our experience of something. And then we make sure whatever solution we land on is mutually beneficial, meaning no one wins, no one loses. It's in the best interest of everyone. That's a great, great place to go with that. That's important. And then finally, we do some kind of aftercare. I know. That's a hard one, but that means we reconnect afterwards. Hey, that was a really hard conversation. We're both still feeling a little sad or disconnected. Let's cuddle for a while. Hey, that was really hard. I'm glad we got through that. Let's go for a walk and go get ice cream. We do something bonding as a form of aftercare. We don't let this possibly, you know, distancing or, you know, whatever it is that's in existence kind of linger or build. We focus on the connection. So apply those steps and that will help you feel better during conflict. And we'll make it safer to have conflict and you won't be afraid of having it again in the future because that's a part of healthy relationships. Um, we'll talk more about it. Also, you can go over to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. There are tons of other episodes I've done that focus on this. They're always labeled, so go check it out. But uh, we got a whole lot more to come, so you don't want to go anywhere. And if you've got some questions, put them in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. Otherwise, stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right so we are back and we're talking tonight about the different ways that um this current moment in time has impacted our relationship to our bodies and ourselves and our eroticism and romance and um, <clears throat> looking at some of the research, we're finally getting a lot of research that tells us how we've been impacted by the past couple of years. And it's not, it's not that shocking. In fact, um, one of the big research projects came out and it was looking at sexuality and reproductive health and, and that whole wide umbrella of a concept. And it was basically telling us that people are having less partnered um, sexual activity, not surprising. And as we see new variants of COVID and we see these things coming and going like monkeypox, um, we start to understand why we maybe become a little bit of touch phobic. And I don't think people are able to really, excuse me, identify with that word as much as they might say, oh, I'm afraid of being around people. What does that mean? Because we want to dissect that. That's where we really start to understand what our mental health needs. Is it that you have been isolated and, and, and feeling more introverted and it's, and there's a little social anxiety that's always been there or maybe more amplified and it's a social anxiety issue. Cause that would take us down one route for solution and healing. And the other, another route might be touch phobia because I'm aware of all the different things that I can come in contact with. Those are two separate things. The social anxiety is just, I'm not familiar anymore with being around a lot of people. The other, the touch anxiety is about, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about contracting something, the flu, a cold COVID monkeypox, and all the other things that are you know, kind of coming and going. If it's the social anxiety part, well, then you want to work on slowly because I'm not a fan of the old adage, you know, teach them to swim by throwing them in the pool. Well, that's how we also traumatize someone because if that doesn't go well, you are forever scarring them and they will have anxiety about getting back in and, and things like sex, socialization, and even swimming should be associated with joy and pleasure. They aren't things we have to do. 
They're things we want to do and they should have a positive, joyful impact. And so we don't want to be forced in or traumatize ourselves. So same thing with socialization. I wouldn't say if you're, you know, worrying about being around others and feeling a little more introverted and social anxiety is higher. I wouldn't say, you know, go to a warehouse rave where you're indoors around tons of people. That's going to maybe be very overwhelming and you're not going to get what's important, which is a sense of mastery. I mean, really what we want is you to have pleasure associated with the result and mastery. And for those to happen, it has to be a slow moving. So if it's a social anxiety or slowly emerging, if it's touch phobia, a couple things. You want to arm yourself with some of the research because some of your phobia is legitimate. It's not disordered. It's legitimate that you can transmit or become infected through touch. And so you want to arm yourself with information to really understand what is thoughtful and what is just anxiety driven. So that's there. Then you also want to think about what are some of the safer social and sexuality based practices that can protect us. Nothing's 100% effective, but there are some things we can do. Ask people when they've been tested, what kind of um, crowds of people they've been around, wearing masks, washing our hands. And if we're talking about the sexuality, again, talking about barriers and testing and vaccinations. So arm yourself with education. That's one of the most important ways we can really decrease some of our anxiety. But yes, we're having less sexual activity. And again, that's not just because of touch phobia. That's not just because we have social anxiety and we're not putting ourselves out there as much. It's also because I think people are burnt out and tired and there's nothing more de-eroticizing than exhaustion. So there's a tip all couples can take at the end of a long day. Yeah, that's when you're not, that's when you maybe have time to be with your partner in an erotic way. But if you're depleted and exhausted, you're not gonna have the energy for that. And that's why I'm always talking about carving out date nights and protecting space for couples time. But my bigger point is that's part of why some people are looking at the numbers and saying, why are we having less sex? Well, we're tired, we're exhausted and everything else I just also kind of itemized. Um, and then some of the studies got even more specific and they gendered it. And they were saying that appears to be even more so for women. Now, again, not surprised because I think what, what adds to that is that traditionally in traditional heterocentric relationships, which is not the kind that everyone's a part of. And this is why I get so upset with research. They're like, oh, we did a research project on women and women are having even less sexuality. Okay, well, were they gay or straight? Because there's a huge distinction. The gay world, it's gonna be a very different number. It, the straight world is because traditionally in heterocentric relationships, women are never off the clock. They're always working and they're always expected to take responsibility. Men come home from work and they're done. They're off the clock where women are like, oh, my job is still going. That again is more depletion and also sometimes anger and frustration and resentment that welcome home, I'm glad you're relaxing, when do I get to do that? But again, that's why I get frustrated with research that doesn't say we did a research on straight women, straight white women, because again, women of color have additional burdens that they're taking on that's gonna impact that. So when we just say studies on men or women, I, I get so frustrated because it's not mental health center, it's also not centered in reality, but there is that. <clears throat> um, what else? Oh, this is meaningful too. I mean, think about this one based on everything that's going on in the world <laughs> and exhaustion as well and everything else. Um, there's a lot more conflict and some increases in drug and alcohol use and domestic violence. And that increased conflict is definitely creating a little bit of a wedge, which is why that earlier segment that I just did. And if you missed it, go to wearechannelq.com. You can find Loveline and listen to it where I was talking about how to, how to deal with conflict better. And that's in there. Higher conflict means less sexuality. Although in, in theory, we should be having more of it if we're having more conflicts. We need more time together, uh, more activities that are soothing and connective, not things that are further distancing. So we're probably going in the wrong way with that. But that's important. You know, this research is kind of on par with where I thought we'd be. Um, but then they're also saying, and I thought this is really interesting. However, they say, 
Less sex doesn't necessarily mean less novelty, that people are still trying new things. But again, they're trying things that are very much rooted in the current climate. So they're trying things that aren't necessarily touch-based or social-based. What does that mean? Well, they're using technology. They're doing more sexting, more sharing of sexual fantasies. So it's things that really accommodate where we are, which is not shocking because whatever's going off this psychologically or sexually is always historically connected, geographically connected too, but historically as well, because it's in context of what's happening around us. And we're a little more social and text, uh, social and touch phobic and anxious. So we're still doing sexually exciting novel things, but things that are more distant don't involve time together or touch. Not surprising. Um, all right, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about what's going on in the current sexual relational climate and how we've been impacted our bodies, our eroticism, our relationships. And of course, we talk about some things we can do about that. So stick around. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all. We're back. And uh, we were just looking at the different ways that what's going on in the world has kind of impacted our relationship to our bodies, other people's bodies, our relationships, our eroticism, because it always does. And what we're looking at is how, because people are more exhausted and burnout, and also because of what's going on with COVID and the flu and colds and all sorts of things like monkeypox and all those different, that people are doing things that are less touch or socially driven. So yes, people are having less sexuality because they're not out in the world meeting people and they're not necessarily feeling safe around others, not shocking. It's a little bit worse for women, not shocking because their load, their labor load is high. Also, people are having more conflict within their relationships. So that's, of course, decreasing affection and sex and time together. And then finally, we're seeing that that doesn't mean people are being less sexually interesting. It's just they're using more distant, protected ways like sharing fantasies and sexting and more online flirting because the drive is still there in a lot of ways. But people are just being a little more thoughtful about what they're coming in contact with. We don't want to be STD and STI stigmatizing and shaming. We're just acknowledging that, you know, sex is never completely safe. It's always about safer practices. And a lot of the things that work with COVID protocol we can apply universally, which is, you know, trying to find lower, lower risk ways. Um, <clears throat> so then that takes us to a larger question. So then like, what do we do? How do we get back to, back to ourselves? And I always tell people, we never go back. It's always, what's the new version? How are we evolving forward? That's the solution. So what, 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 what forward movement should I make? Who am I to become next? It's never, how can I get back to who I was? That doesn't exist anymore. History is never there. Even memories update themselves. Do y'all know that we can't rely, memories are not reliable and they're constantly updated by every new experience we have. And we don't realize that because we see it in our minds. So there it is, I can see it. So of course it's real, sure. But it's been changed by every experience I've had since that event occurred. It is not reliable. And that's why we all have to soften our sense of security and what we know to be real, which is wild to think about. So history is always being updated. <clears throat> and so who you were erotically, relationally, or sexually before, before whatever, before this week, before this year, before a pandemic, you'll never be that person again. We're always moving forward. We're always propelling forward. So you're going to be a new person. So the question is, how can I stay curious to find out who I get to become next? And again, the, the hidden little tip or gem within that is if you're in a relationship and you're not content with where things are right now, erotically or affectionately, that will change. And so what does that mean? It means don't panic. It will evolve into something else, maybe better, maybe worse for a minute. And just like if right now everything's great, enjoy it because it might evolve to a place where it's not feeling as great as it had been. 
So don't panic, but we do want to call it out so we can address it and work on it. Otherwise, it might just stay a little stuck. It does require you know, some attention and some work. And that's what I want to remind people. How we were before is not how we're going to be again, and we shouldn't hold ourselves to that because that just adds suffering to the already existent possible pain. You might feel a little bit of pain, meaning, oh, I'm a little bummed that things aren't great, but don't add suffering by saying, oh, and it shouldn't be this way because historically it was better. Okay, but that's not who you are anymore. And so the question is, how can I move us into a new phase and be curious about what that can look like? Um, but we have to carve out time to prioritize it, which I'm advocating for on the show all the time. Start to prioritize pleasure, including sexuality. I want people to be having more solo sexuality and partnered sexuality. That is our birthright as human beings. That's healthy for us. That's healthy, feels, uh, it's healthy relationally, it's healthy physically, it's healthy emotionally. We do need that. You know, again, without getting deep into the research, the more ejaculation, I'm sorry, the more times you orgasm and ejaculate, the healthier your prostate and your pelvic floor muscles. Same thing for people that are Vagina owners, it's also better for muscle tone, for pelvic floor health, for lubrication. Oh yeah, let's get more comfortable getting back to ourselves. And if you're in a relationship, double win. You get partnered sex and solo sex. If you're single, you still get both. We're doing it in a more thoughtful way because of the current climate, but I want us to remind ourselves to prioritize and carve out time for that. So what am I saying? I'm saying masturbate more. Have more sexuality with your partner. There's nothing bad about more pleasure in our lives. And that's how we get back on track, getting more comfortable with ourselves. Because remember, comfort with our bodies and our sexuality is about familiarity. And the more time away from that, the less familiar and the more anxious we're going to be. Confidence is built by spending more time with. So that's why I'm saying solo sexuality, like masturbation is awesome. Get more familiar seeing your body in that sexual state, touching your body prioritizing that and the same thing with partnered sexuality but sometimes the work starts with ourselves first and and the more sex you have often the more sex you have it has an amplifying effect so start to ask yourself how can i find ways to kind of bring that back in how can i prioritize that again um and for some people, it's even tracking it in a loving way, not to problematize, but to see how long it's been and to not let it get too far because the longer it's been, the harder it is to sometimes get back. And so start building it into a daily routine. There's no such thing as too much masturbation if you have the time and energy. There's no such thing as too much partnered sex as long as you're getting all your activities of daily living done. Well, then have at it. If you have the day off, you get to do whatever you want with that day, whether it's reading a book, going to the gym, hiking, or having sex. They're all the same. They're all healthy, self-care, right-brain-based activities. Go, go. Go do your thing. Um, but let's start to do that. All right. We're going to come back and do some DMs. And then we're going to come back and talk again a little bit about how do I reconnect with my body and my sexuality and my relationship in these really strange, difficult times. Because whatever we put our attention on is where movement and change will occur. And so I'm trying to bring our attention back to this. It's an important part of psychology. DMs coming up next, though. Uh, got a question for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm starting to realize that for the last few years, I've alienated myself from my friends and family as I was finding myself. I grew up in a really conservative white area, and I don't fit into that at all. Now... As I'm starting to come back and realize that these are still people I want in my life, I'm finding it hard to fit in with them and not back away again. For example, one of my friends, one of my best friends, revealed that she voted for Trump. Ooh, she's a great person, 
I mean, she doesn't have great ethics. Uh, and we have so much history together. But now I'm wondering if, she re if revisiting my past and trying to make amends was the right thing to do or if it's something I'm okay without. Here, here we go. Here's the big finale. Can you still be friends with someone who you can't relate to like you used to? Well, I mean, in theory, can you be friends with someone you can't relate to like you used to? Yes. Can you be friends with someone you can't relate to? No. <laughs> one of the most important parts of relationship is relating, being understood, attunement, resonance, presence, connection, commonality, compatibility, safety. You need all of those things. So you don't have to relate to them in the way you used to, but you need to be able to relate to them. And if you don't, because you have nothing in common, different ethics, different value systems, different politics, different lifestyle, different identity, then you got nothing. <laughs> So I'd want you to be around people that have similar ethics, values, and politics, 100%. That's important for our mental health. I can't be friends with someone who actively votes against women's rights. I don't value or respect or want to be friends with someone who's a bigot and is homophobic and wants to erase homosexuality from curriculum and discussion and the identity of teachers like in Florida. I can't be with someone who doesn't think that black lives matters and doesn't work to end white supremacy. Like I can't, God bless you if you can, I don't know how those things are a part of the core of who someone is, their ethics, their, their politics, it's, it's all tied in. Um, but you have to be on your journey, but just because we don't relate in the way we used to, well, we've grown up, but if you don't relate at all now, then they're not someone who can be in your life. It's a really tough one. All right, we got time for another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm currently in a polyamorous relationship and this is my first one. I've always been monogamous. So just to call it out, polyamory means multiple ongoing relationships. It does not mean I have a partner and I sometimes have sex with other people. Poly means multiple relationships, true multiple relationships at the same time. Parents can love multiple kids at the same time. Parents have multiple relationships with all their kids at the same time. People have multiple friends. They love all their friends. They have ongoing relationships with all their friends. It's the same thing, just the romantic version. See how we're able to do that? We have tons of colleagues at the same time. Manage all that. Tons of siblings at the same time. Manage all that. Tons of friends at the same time. Manage all that. And then you bring up Polly. People are like, I don't get it. You do. It's just not maybe comfortable or familiar to you. Anyway, back to your question. You're in one. It's your first. And you've been dating for six months. One of the people I'm assuming you've been dating for six months. And I feel like I'm still struggling with jealousy. Is there a way to get over jealousy? Yes, but not always. Jealousy will always happen, whether monogamous, whether poly, whether single. It's just how it goes. There might be things that we feel like we want. We might sometimes feel like we're losing something. So that's what you have to really ask yourself. What am I jealous of? Is the jealousy that I have worth honoring? Do I want to honor it or do I want to try to backseat it and live from a place of security? Because sometimes we have to fake it till we make it. We act secure and confident because that's what's good for us in our relationships. And we allow and acknowledge our jealousy, but we just don't act from it, which is a mental health skill. Just because you feel something doesn't mean you act or behave from the feeling. Healthy people can feel something, but they act and behave from their ethics and their values. And that's what you're being called upon to do. Hi, I feel jealous. However, I know it's not reasonable and I don't want to live from it. So I'm not going to act it out on my partner when they get home from having been with someone else. I'm going to say, how are you? Glad you're home. Tell me about your night while still feeling jealousy and maybe even saying, hey, I'm feeling some jealousy, but I'm not going to treat you from it or punish you for it because that's mine and I don't really want to honor it and I want to get familiar with these feelings, but I'm going to call it out, but still tell me how your night was with your other partner. But yeah, you're going to feel jealous at times. It might mean you need more care or attention with your partner. You could say that. I'm feeling jealous. I wonder if we could spend more quality time together. I wonder if I could see you again this 
this week. I wonder if we could spend more time with affection and cuddling because sometimes it's really a communication or a symptom of something else that I don't feel close to or I don't feel connected. Um, and that's going to be part of all of our lives at different times. So ask yourself, what might this really be about? And if it really is just, I'm jealous because I feel like I'm losing something, remind yourself that like someone can have someone and I can also have them too. It's not a deficit model. All right, let me know how that goes. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back. And we're just talking about ways to reconnect with ourselves and our sexuality in these wild, wild, wild times. Um, and I was just reminding everyone that the, the more consistent and familiar are, we are with our bodies and our eroticism and pleasure, the more meaning it's going to have, the more confidence we're going to have, and the more we're going to actually want to circle back to it. The more sex you have, the more sex you have. Even if we just start by amping up the more sex we have with ourselves, masturbate as much as possible. Um, there's no such thing as too much masturbation as long as you're not doing it to a point of injury and you're getting time and energy put on all the other things that are important in your life. Just like there's no such thing as reading too many books as long as you have the time and space. If you can read five hours of, you know, if you can spend five hours reading, you can spend five hours with sex. If you can spend five hours watching The Real Housewives, you can spend five hours with sex. I think sex is going to do more for you than watching Housewives. So I'd prefer you to be focusing on that. Um, that's how we keep our body healthy. That's how we connect with ourselves. That's how we recenter pleasure, all sorts of stuff. Um, but remember, who we were before is not who we're going to be again. So we have to be open and curious to who we are moving towards as a sexual being, what our relationship is evolving into. Uh, but we're carving out time to prioritize. And we're maybe even tracking it not to shame ourselves. And you have to be thoughtful if you're the right individual or couple to do this, but to make sure not too much time goes by. And we don't get angry or resentful if it, we don't get angry or resentment if it has too much time gone by. We instead use that to be motivated to try to request more, but more importantly, not request, but initiate. It's on everyone's shoulders to initiate sex. It's no one's job. Um, it's something we all have to be willing to do. I want us all to have enough confidence sexually to initiate when we're feeling desire. I don't care if you're a mom. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're a sub. I don't care if you're passive. We all have to do that because most people want, most people value feeling desired. And if you're always on the receiving end of initiation, always having desire coming at you, that's not always the most loving thing. Your partner wants to feel desired too. That's why I always say things like, you know, thank um, Valentine's Day. Everyone should be giving a gift, not just you know, we, we, we've kind of made it very heterocentric where oftentimes the femme or the girl is expecting to be given and things, you know, um, weddings or Valentine's Day are for her, but it's, it's for everyone. I want us to really um, round out our participation and making sure we're making our partners feel desired. Um, but our bodies might have changed. And that's another thing to really acknowledge that um, a lot's happened. And not only might our bodies change, not only may our bodies have changed, but the comfort we have with certain parts being seen or touched also might have changed. So might the way we receive pleasure. But I want us to always think in those terms. I want us to always realize that what felt good last week might not be what feels good now. What I was interested in last week might not be what I'm interested in this week, that it's an active system and being open to who I am and what I need now. <clears throat> and always trying to push on those boundaries. But but be in the moment. There's no right or wrong way. There's no there's no there's no real way. There's no right way. We're just trying to be more playful based, more 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 pleasure based. It doesn't have to involve penetration. It doesn't always have to even lead to orgasm, right? We're we're having a more of a fluidity and that's going to be important with all these wild changing times. And 
Also something that, you know, was really spoken about in a lot of the research I was looking at is this idea of having an experimental attitude. I love that word. And again, it goes back to what I just said. Who are we now as a result of all that's going on? Who am I now as a result of the week I've had? Maybe I've been really tired or maybe I'm feeling less comfortable in my body. So, so how can I experiment with those new boundaries or my new levels of confidence? How can I maybe push on some of that anxiety? But I have an experimental attitude. I'm not going to keep us stuck but I'm going to be open to seeing who I am and what we can now create because that's what's beautiful about sex. It should always be ebbing and flowing. And we want to get out of the habit of always following the same patterns in the same ways, always starting the same way, ending the same way, and instead being open. And that's where I keep using that word play. Let it have a sense of play. You know, as I always say, sex and dessert are the two places where it should just be rooted in pleasure and joy. We, we should not be overthinking it. There is no right way to do it. Um, we have to like loosen up the grip on that. We tend to be very intense in those ways. Um, think about also things you can add in. How's my current environment support or not support sexuality? I work with some couples where they start to realize the dog can't be sleeping in the bed with us or the dog can't be sleeping in the bed between us. And what means more the, the health of my relationship and our sex life or the dog being comfortable, the dog will get familiar sleeping in a different place or a different position. Your marriage has to mean more. It truly does. And if not, well then your partner has to reckon what they think of what your priorities are, but pay attention to the home environment. Sometimes we do need to start cleaning more because it's dirty or it's messy and that isn't really erotic. Uh, maybe we have to think about how we can attract our partner more. Yeah, we always want to be in the courtship stages, always romancing, always attracting our partner, uh, paying attention to what makes us feel desirable. So what in the environment maybe needs to change or shift? Maybe you need to clean the sheets more. Um, maybe make more room on the couch so things can happen. Maybe spend more time in proximity so things can happen. The environment can either be a block or it can be something that helps aid us in moving back towards that. Um, and then finally, don't be afraid to just talk about it. You know, Hey, this is who I am now. This is what I'm looking for now. This is what I'd love to have happen. Now I'm all about transparency and people kind of calling out their needs, making requests, not criticisms. That's always the caveat to that. All right. We're going to come back. So don't go anywhere. If you got some questions for us, drop in the DMS on our Loveline IG page topics. Um, also in the DMS on our Loveline IG page, stick around more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all we are back and talking about ways to reconnect with our bodies and our sexuality as a result of literally everything that's gone in the world. It's not enough to just say things like, you know, when we went through the pandemic or the election, we, uh, there's always an election of some kind coming up that's got anxiety tied to what's going on legally, what's going on socially, what's going on in world news and events. It, it, it's, it's going to be some, we, our bodies internalize these things. Our sense of stress based on what we're hearing, reading, and seeing around us is going to impact our relationship to ourselves and our sexuality and energy levels. And again, that's why I'm always saying to individuals and couples, don't panic based on what's going on right now or where you're at. It's going to ebb and flow based on better times, worse times. So many factors that impact how we feel about ourselves. Um, but one of the things also is when we're trying to reconnect with our bodies and sexuality, sometimes it's about moving away from sexuality and focusing more on just the affection and easing back in. Because again, like I was saying in earlier segments, we don't want to ever traumatize ourselves. And if we push too far too fast, then sometimes we don't have joy associated with it or mastery. And that leaves us not feeling as though we accomplished anything. And then it didn't have a positive impact, quite the opposite. It reinforced that this thing I'm afraid of is worthy of fear because I failed. 
It didn't feel good. And that's why we're not just throwing the kid in the pool so we can learn how to swim. That can re-traumatize or that can traumatize, reinforce trauma. So it's sex and affection and closeness. We're thinking in those terms as well, believe it or not. And so sometimes it's about building affection in first and working our way up towards eroticism, refamiliarizing ourselves with being touched and touching. And so we start with affection, sitting close, leaning up against, holding hands, massaging, right? The, um, the rubric of sex includes affection, sensuality, and eroticism. So maybe we start with building in daily affection more, and we do that for a few weeks as much as possible. Set targets so you know that you're doing it and it's happening. Then you move towards sensuality, which would be massaging, cuddling, rubbing, stroking, familiarizing yourself with that. And then we get that built in for a couple weeks. And then we start to move more towards eroticism because it's supposed to feel good. So we want to slowly build upon each milestone. And for some people, they do have to go that slow because the longer it's been where we've allowed our own arousal, touched our own bodies in a sensual way, allowed eroticism with ourselves or with a partner, the further, the longer it's been, the harder it might be to get back because it feels more anxiety inducing, it feels more unknown. But again, what's gonna help us heal that is consistency and familiarity. And so it becomes a daily practice. So yes, I do give people daily masturbation practices, weekly masturbation practices, weekly sexual practices with their partners. It's part of being a sex therapist. That's why if you have sexual related issues, please see a certified sex therapist. There's a lot of certifications that sound like that, but that's the one you're looking for, a CS. I'm sorry, a CST, Certified Sex Therapist like myself. There's only a few hundred of us in the world. <laughs> I know. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of books that we put out as well. My book, Sex Outside the Lines, my book, Rebel Love, my social media are different ways, love line that we try to offer tips, tools, and tricks and things to consider and think about. But remember, we're moving slow. And so maybe we're starting with holding hands. Maybe we're starting with cuddling. Maybe we even go slower. And first we start by just talking about it, getting familiar, saying the word sex, getting familiar, sitting with each other, saying, I miss having sex. doesn't mean we're going to do it tonight, but let's just start talking about the concept. Let's familiarize ourselves with the idea of it. Because for, again, for some people, even holding hands is too far. And, and then we might realize through the talking about it, that there's too much anger, resentment in our relationship and that it's actually some couples work that's need to be needing to be done before we feel interested, attracted enough or safe enough to move towards affection to then move towards sex. Do what needs to be done. But talking about it sometimes is the first step. And like I said, dealing with the couple's issues that are in the way, then moving towards affection, then sensuality, then eroticism. Because we're not trying to overwhelm each other. We're trying to slowly ease back in, feeling a sense, again, the keywords mastery and joy with what we're doing. Always knowing that we might have changed. Our bodies have changed. What we're interested has changed. Um, but we make this a goal. And we work on it and we keep pushing forward. But the sense of non-demand is important to always make sure is present with everyone's sexuality, that there is no expectation, there is no goal, and there is no right way, because that adds pressure and anxiety that if we start kissing, then it's going to be expected that we have penetrative sex. No. If we're starting to be erotic, that we have to, I mean, we want to, again, remember, there's no demand for anything. There's no goal that we're working towards. We're just having fun in the moment. And that's so antithetical to the way most of us approach sex. We think that the goal of sex is penetration, orgasms, and genitals. And that has led us astray because it's not always possible. We're not always in the mood for that. So we have to get familiar backing away from that and slowing down and finding value in everything else. 
it's a you know a lot of people have been trained to have very transactional sex either because of hookup culture or because of porn and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with either of those but one of the darker or downsides to both of those is that it is very penetratively focused most of the time and the goal is just to get off and we can train ourselves to think that that's what sex is about and that becomes what we become uh, that becomes what we're most familiar with and that's what we try to maybe enact with our partner and there's a space for that but for some of us that's too much or that's not possible or that can make us feel again pressure because there's a demand for that performance and we're trying to take that off the table so remind yourselves that there's no goal but just to be here and we're here we're together and this is all that was meant to happen and let this be enough um and also another caveat to all of that is that this isn't age-based because i have some people that'll say that that's for younger couples no it's not our, our physical genital prime is when we're younger, where our bodies are at their best to procreate, sure. But in our later years, and most people having sex aren't trying to procreate, and so our sexual prime should be increasing as we get older. We're more confident, we're more aware. We're gonna ask for what we like. We feel more secure with our partner or partners to try to move towards what we like. So it should be increasing. When you're young, you're not confident, you don't have experience, you don't know, but yes, your body prime, your genital prime is there, but your sexual prime should happen later in life if you're doing the work. And so this isn't just for younger people. We always want access to that resource that sex and eroticism can give us. Um, all right, we're gonna talk more about this and then we'll be closing out the show later with some DMs. So if you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion of how to reconnect with our bodies and our eroticism. It's a practice that we all need to maybe put some time and effort into, but more importantly, during the current political, social, socio, political, socio, uh, cultural moment with all that's going on in the world. <clears throat> and as far as reconnecting with our bodies, you know, one of the things I always remind individuals is that we can pay attention to the kind of sex we have or don't have as a way to really better understand where we are with our mental health in relationship to our own self. Um, and to others. And one of those things is how comfortable and safe do you feel? Because that's going to be part of what allows us to let go and allows us to make the sounds we want to see it make, allows our bodies to move in the ways that are honest for how we are. Because oftentimes we don't feel safe and we're trying to appease someone or please someone or be uh, seen a certain way. And so we hold our bodies in a rigid way because we don't want to let go or, you know, <clears throat> uh, we also maybe stay quiet. So your willingness to kind of let go and be in the moment and be in your body and to do what your body does and, and, and all of that really determines how safe do you feel with yourself and your partner. And sometimes that's a wake-up call that I'm having sex with people I don't feel safe with or within my relationship, I haven't really been willing or able to show my true self and I'm kind of holding back. So that's why, again, I like sex being an assessment tool. Am I always having sex in positions where I can't be seen or see my partner? Uh, do the lights always have to be off? You know, and what is that about? Is that, again, about your partner's relationship to your body? Is that about your relationship to your body? Is that about your partner or your, your relational uh, comfort with sex in general? How can you start to build the kind of relationship that can allow and tolerate more of that? And as our bodies change based on age and ability and disability and all sorts of things, we're letting go of the idea that we have to look a certain way to be desired or even to participate in pleasure and sexuality. And we're working on that. And again, you know, the way we really do that is with exposure. Wearing the things we want to wear and realizing that that might be part of this is starting to you know, let our bodies be seen and exposed in public where maybe we're wearing shorter shirts or shorts because traditionally maybe we hit our body. Again, believing in those really toxic, problematic ideas that 
we have to you know look a certain way to wear spandex or a crop top or whatever it is i love when i see diverse bodies of all shapes and sizes wearing what they want and not covering or hiding and so sometimes it's about the way we present in the world and that's going to come back into the way we present in our relationship or the you know the opposite of that but <clears throat> always identifying how comfortable am I? Why are my limits the limits I have? Is that my work? Is that the relationship's work? Is that my partner's work? And then starting to address that. Um, again, using our sexuality and our relationship to it to better understand what our work is um, and what we need. Because again, sex should be able to be had at all phases of our lifespan at all the different body shapes and sizes that we have and tons of amazing work and tons of amazing books that are out there around how you know to have sex at you know different body shapes and sizes just different abilities um larger um sorry later in life when we're aging i was looking at i'm looking at some research as i'm talking um, but again, that's going to be how we move through the world. Because remember, the way we feel about our bodies and our sexuality is part of our total self-worth and self-esteem. And we can't move through the world at our best when there's parts of ourselves that we feel bad about or we're trying to hide. And so, yes, believe it or not, the work we do at home in the bedroom is part of building more confidence to be our total and full selves while out in the world. If we're hiding at home, we're probably hiding in the world. If we can be more of ourselves at home, we might be better able to be ourselves out in the world. Or for some, the inverse, where we practice being more of ourselves out in the world. And then we come home and try to bring our truer self home. Because as I always say, if you're in a marriage, or especially if you're monogamous, this this is where all this work should be done. If we can't bring our most honest sexual self to our partner, then where is it supposed to go? And again, identifying is that my work, my partner's work, or the relationship's work. And that's why I love sex as an assessment tool and also a site of intervention <clears throat> to work on these larger parts of ourselves. Pushing into the things that we always wanted to do and the things we always wanted to be. Have a vision. Have a sexual vision board. Who do I want to be sexually? Who do I know of that I'd love to really let be a mentor in my mind and try to embody myself and my sexuality, my pleasure in ways that they do? You know, we do that with so many different... Um, other domains of our lives where we have a goal or a vision or again, someone in our minds that really embodies something, a trait, an attribute, a personality style, or even career driven. And we say, I want to be like them. And um, that can be very uh, motivating and influential because a lot of times we have the opposite around us all the time. A lot of body shaming, body policing, health policing, sex negativity, sex phobia. And uh, we're working through that if nothing else. Um, yeah. You just have to understand that the goal has worth and meaning, you know? And again, like I said, it impacts our total confidence. And that is what we bring to all elements of our lives, our jobs, our family, our friends. So it all matters. Uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Level Energy page or a topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back to, put that in there. And uh, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. Uh, we are channelq.com. Scroll down there for Love Line and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. It's all about that repetition, unlearning and relearning. So uh, stay in the practice. It's meaningful. Because like I said, it has uh, more universal, ubiquitous impacts where it leaks out into other important domains of our life. So meaningful stuff. But um, <clears throat> as I said, DM's coming up next. So still some time to plop something in there. DM's on our Love Line IG page. Otherwise, y'all, stick around because we got a whole lot more to come. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I had a really good conversation with this person I am dating, and I want to get your opinion on it. Can you give and receive the different love languages? Like, I am more inclined to naturally give certain love languages until I figure out my partner and what they need. And my partner can do the same. Yes, these aren't, remember, it's, <laughs> these aren't real things. These are just guides and frameworks to better understand ourselves and other people. There are a thousand billion love languages. We can come in and out of them. It's like attachment theory. You're with one person and you're anxious. You're with another person, you're avoidant. Um, but it falls more in my mind like this whole idea in the gay community of I'm a top or I'm a bottom. You're neither, you're both. These, are, these aren't preferences even. That at best, they're preferences. But people treat them as though they are solid, real things. As though, you know, I'm 5'10". And it's like, yes, you can't change that. So that is a solid, unchangeable, objective fact. But we talk about preferences like I prefer Indian food. Okay, cool, which means when I can have access to that kind of delicious cuisine, I engage in it. But that doesn't mean when hungry, I'm not able to participate in maybe eating pizza with you. Well, sex is the same way. We all literally have the physical capacity, and I know this is ableist in its statement, so I agree that there are people due to disabilities and genetic factors and other reasons that this doesn't hold true. So I'm generalizing and stereotyping, but go with it for the sake of my argument. Um, we all, in theory, have the ability to give and receive. It's just that doo-doo anxiety we'd prefer to just give or receive. But in a healthy relationship, we allow ourselves to push on our edges and we don't make rigid demands like that. That would be like me saying, I refuse to fill in the blank with anything else. I would hope that if you don't like horror movies, but your partner does, that you would step up and sit through some of them with them. I would hope if your partner likes sports and they said it would mean a lot to them if every now and then you'd watch or go to a game that you would suck it up and go because it's not painful, it is not violent, and it's not going to harm you. Sex is the same way. So if you're like, I'm a bottom only, grow up. If your partner's like, I would sometimes also like to bottom, do that because you physically can. You just might not like to or you're made anxious by it. We'll be okay stepping into our anxiety. So I apply this very much to this topic. You might prefer to have love expressed 
to you with gifts, but that doesn't mean that's the only way we can receive love. We need to be adults, which means we can see love when it's coming at us in many forms. So the love languages are a little misunderstood. What we really want to do is understand how we best want to be loved to tell our partner, but we also want to understand how they best express love so we can receive it from them too. And ideally we engage in all the love languages. There's no such thing as I only want gifts. Well, then you're a materialist because sometimes your partner, it might mean a lot to them to vocalize how they feel about you. And I want you to hear that and receive that. So yes, they are flexible. They are changeable. We can be all of them. We can be nothing. We can be other things. It's co-created, but we need to like let go and loosen up. Mental health diagnoses aren't solid and real. They can come out of nowhere. We can outgrow them. They can be amplified or, or decreased based on certain situations. Same thing with our sexual orientation. Same thing with our love languages. But people really grip onto these things as though they're real tangible things. They are theoretical, abstract, social created concepts. They are metaphors. They are perspectives, but they are not real. They are not solid. So don't take them too seriously. People take them way too literally and way too seriously. And we need to let go of all of these like labels and definers because they trap us and they help us stay in our comfort zone. And they help us, they help maintain anxiety when requested or needing to step outside of it. But mental health and physical health are about adaptability and flexibility. So work on that, work on being more adaptive, work on being more flexible, work on stepping into the things that make you anxious sexually, relationally, okay? All right, that's our DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back and drop deeper into. Love hearing from you. You're helping other people as you're helping yourself out. So put those questions in there. Uh, past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of great stuff. And uh, check out some of the other shows while you're there. But that's our show, y'all. So we'll be back tomorrow. Join us then. Spend the rest of your night being kind to yourself, kind to those around you. We're only working at about 70%. We're not trying to burn out, so drop that bar. And uh, spend the rest of the night focused on tons of self-care, tons of rest, and some joy and pleasure. But as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. You enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, I'll see y'all soon. Have a beautiful night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.